This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, March 18th, 2021. On this day in 1963, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that states were required to provide legal counsel for defendants charged with a felony if they're unable to afford one on their own. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Today we're covering Gideon v. Wainwright, a landmark Supreme Court decision that changed the American legal system forever. Now let's travel back to March 18, 1964. After careful consideration, the nine justices of the United States Supreme Court readied themselves to release their decision. Authored by Justice Hugo L. Black, with unanimous bipartisan support, the opinion had the power to change Clarence Gideon's life forever. On August 4, 1961, three years before this ruling, Clarence stood in a courtroom accused of breaking and entering the Bay Harbor Pool Hall in Panama, Florida. According to the prosecution, around 5.30 a.m. on June 3rd, Clarence smashed through a window, stole beer, wine, Coca-Cola, approximately $5 from a cigarette machine, and another $60 from a jukebox. Their entire case was based on the testimony of one man, 20-year-old Henry Cook. Cook reportedly saw Clarence leaving the bar in the early hours of the morning with a bottle of wine in hand. He then made a report to police, which ultimately led to Clarence's arrest. Clarence did help out at the pool hall from time to time, and he did have a long history of petty crime. But the 51-year-old always insisted he wasn't responsible for the burglary. Nothing changed at the trial. Clarence maintained his innocence. But being unemployed, he was unable to afford representation, so he made a plea to the court saying, the United States Supreme Court says I'm entitled to be represented by counsel. Judge Robert McCrary Jr., however, disagreed. He cited a precedent established by the 1942 case Betts v. Brady, which held that states were only required to provide legal counsel under so-called special circumstances or in cases that could result in the death penalty. As a result, Clarence's request was denied and he was forced to act as his own counsel. In the end, on August 25, 1961, McCrary found Clarence guilty and delivered the maximum sentence possible, five years in a state prison. But Clarence didn't give up. He wrote an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. His letter, which was written in pencil from behind bars, made it all the way to the highest court in the country. 
About a year and a half after receiving his sentence, Clarence learned their decision. It read, the right of an indigent defendant in a criminal trial to have the assistance of counsel is a fundamental right essential to a fair trial, and the petitioner's trial and conviction without the assistance of counsel violated the 14th Amendment. In other words, America's justice system had failed Clarence Gideon, and he was owed a second trial. The second trial took place a few months later, on August 5, 1963. With the help of court-appointed lawyers, Henry Cook's prior testimony fell apart on the stand. After only an hour of deliberation, the jury acquitted Clarence, declaring him innocent of all charges. Clarence Gideon was now a free man and an unlikely American hero. Coming up, the impact of Gideon v. Wainwright. Hi listeners, it's Vanessa from Parcast. When you think of a criminal, do you picture a killer, a gangster, a thief? I bet you didn't think it could be the little old lady down the street who murdered her tenants. Every Wednesday on my series, Female Criminals, meet the unlikeliest of felons, mothers, neighbors, and unsuspecting lovers with a penchant for dangerous behavior. Discover the psychology and motives behind their disturbing crimes and find out where their story stands today. But that's not all. Airing right now on Female Criminals is our special five-part look at the world's most infamous femme fatales, women who were deceptive and deadly, but not always the villain. Catch these episodes and more by following the Spotify original from Parcast, Female Criminals. New episodes premiere weekly. Listen free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On March 18, 1963, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Clarence Gideon, deciding that all Americans, regardless of income, had the right to legal counsel if accused of any serious crime. A few months later, United States Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy delivered a speech about the impact of Clarence's actions. He said, if an obscure Florida convict named Clarence Earl Gideon had not sat down to write a letter to the Supreme Court, and if the Supreme Court had not taken the trouble to look for merit in that one crude petition among all the bundles of mail it must receive every day, the vast machinery of American law would have gone on functioning undisturbed. It goes to show one person can make a difference. In the months after Gideon v. Wainwright, thousands of American prisoners who'd previously been convicted of crimes without due representation were retried and released. 
The decision marked a turning point for the country, but it stood on the shoulder of past cases that forced their way into the spotlight, most notably Powell v. Alabama. In 1931, nine black teenagers, dubbed the Scottsboro Nine by the media, stood falsely accused of raping two white women. Unable to afford representation, an all-white jury found them guilty. The youngest was sentenced to life in prison, and the rest were sentenced to die. In the fall of 1932, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered a retrial. As in Gideon v. Wainwright, they maintained that the Alabama court's refusal to allow the teenagers legal counsel violated their 14th Amendment rights. Unfortunately, during the second trial, their appointed attorneys did little more than appear in court. But after Gideon v. Wainwright, 30 years after their initial conviction, some of the Scottsboro Nine were released from prison on parole. Justice wasn't truly served, but it was a step. As for Clarence Gideon, after his short stint in prison, he lived to 61 years old when he died of cancer. His family buried him in an unmarked grave next to his father. Twelve years later, the American Civil Liberties Union created a headstone in his honor and placed it on his grave. They had it engraved with a line from Clarence's letter to the Supreme Court. It read, I believe that each era finds an improvement in law for the benefit of mankind. Clarence Gideon undeniably helped reform the American justice system for the better, but there's still plenty more work to be done. As the New York Times wrote in 2003, the reality is that for many defendants, the promise of Clarence Gideon has been hollow. Poor people are still imprisoned and even put to death after trials in which they have shockingly inadequate legal. The lack of real protection for lower-income communities, especially communities of color, are still being played out in courts all over the country today. And we must do better. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Connor Sampson, with writing assistance by Aaron Lan, and fact-checking by Haley Milliken. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 